0: So how y'all doing? Good. Yeah? Good morning so far? Susie said the worship rocked, so that's awesome. I hate not being here for that. Um, But you guys, I'm excited as we do this series, um, a resolution that lasts, kind of kicking off this uh, new year about saying, how do we actually respond to God? How do we determine to start doing something or to stop doing something? Because God has called us to do that in a way where it actually changes us, where, where life really happens from that. So I was asking Susie last night. I was talking to her, and I remembered a story. uh, Years ago, I went to Baskin-Robbins with my niece. And believe me, it was years ago because I think she was five, and she just had her first child. So it was a while ago. Yes, I'm old. So we walk into Baskin-Robbins. We're waiting for our ice cream. There's a little table like this, and it had a box on it. And and, uh, Joanna looks at me, and she goes, hey, Uncle Dave, what's that box for? And I walk over there, and I go, oh, you fill out this form or something. You throw it in, and if you do, you win a cruise. And she's like, well, let's do it. And I'm like, nobody ever wins these things. It's just, you just don't even, and she's like, no, come on, Uncle Dave, can we, can we put it in, can I put my name on it? I go, you're kind of young, You probably wouldn't work. She goes, why don't you put your name on it? I'm like, okay, okay, I'll do it. So I go over and sign my name and fold it up and throw it in the box. Sure enough, a month later, I get a call that I won a cruise. <laughs> and, and I did. It wasn't even a scam. I actually... <laughs> I actually followed up on this thing, and as a young, like, I think I was, like, 23-year-old guy, went on a cruise, and I didn't pay nothing. Yeah, it was awesome. How many of you have been on a cruise before? Okay, how many of you gained 5,000 pounds? It was wonderful. So, but I, I mean, it's, it's crazy, because there was no, I had no intention whatsoever of responding to Joanna's invitation to throw my thing in there, because I didn't think anything was really going to happen. Can I ask you a question? How much does God want to do in your life? And how many times do you receive an invitation from him to respond to him? And how much do we miss out on because we say no? And that's what I want to talk to you about today. I believe with all of my heart that God wants to do more than we could ever ask or even imagine according to his power which is at work within you but we struggle to respond to God and it's true so I'm going to challenge all of us one of the things that's really I hope I can get to the end and sit with this with you for a while because one of the biggest things that I'm going to challenge you on and I, I'm challenged on, is we have to humble ourselves, actually. It's a very humbling thing to respond to God. But haven't we, we, that's what we experience with resolutions anyway. Because lots of times if we're going to make a resolution, we try to find somebody to help us, right? And we'll go to trainers and we'll go to coaches and we'll go to dietitians and counselors and financial planners. But, how, but with some of these, it's hard to make that decision, isn't it Isn't it? It's kind of humbling to sit there and go, I don't know if I really want that help, even though I know I need it. So to get us to kind of feel what that's like a little bit, before I jump in, let's just watch this video and I think it'll help. Come on, honey, you need the oh, Just the dentist, he's not that bad. He's such a nice guy. Come on, little guy. Come on, my soldier, my man. You can do it, come out. Okay. This isn't that scary. Come on, last time you just had just a couple cavities. Just a few, it'll be okay. I oh, do- need to go to the bathroom. Oh. <laughs> go find a different bathroom. Come on, hon. Corby's on the baby, come out of there. <laughs> Please. <gasps> there you go. Good job, babe. So how many of you can relate to that right there? (laughs) I actually called my dentist just this week. Not even because of that video. But but that's the feeling. I mean, it's like there are some things where you know you need to make a decision and yet we're scared to death to do it. So let me pray. Okay, let's pray right now. Because I am going to challenge you today. I'm going to challenge you today to not be a person who hears from God and doesn't respond anymore. 2014 will not be that year. All right? Let's pray. Jesus, right here, right now, we ask that you would come and help us. We need your help. So we're here. We're here to seek after you. We're here to receive from you. We want to hear from you. But God, we know we need strength and encouragement and grace to respond to you. Lord, help us to be a people who make resolutions to you, who make strong determinations to say yes to you, to stop doing stuff you don't want us to do and to start doing stuff you want us to do. God, help us today to understand how we can do that, how we can really make resolutions with you that will last a lifetime. And I'd ask right now that you just make your word clear and open up our hearts so we can receive it from you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Well, a couple of weeks ago, you guys, Lad shared that we're going to be looking at the book of James. And James, this was a real issue for him. If you read his letter in the New Testament, you're going to see, man, he was constantly trying to get people to respond. And really, you guys, response is just faith. And James is kind of trying to wake up people and say, man, you might say that you believe, you might... But if you're not actually responding, if there's no you know, like feet to this thing, it's not even real. Even Jesus said that. He goes, it's the people who hear my words and don't put them into practice are the people who build their house on sand. The troubles of life come and their house just falls apart. But it's the people who hear my word and they actually put it into practice. They're the ones who their house gets built on a rock. The same storms come, man, the same troubles, and yet you can hold firm. So James, in his book, he's trying to help people to to get through this. Now, I think, and Ladd mentioned this, I'll just kind of uh, recap a little bit what he said, is part of the reason that James struggled, that that he was teaching this, is because he personally struggled to respond to Jesus. Now, I kind of understand that because James was Jesus' brother, okay? And so it, it would be hard, I think, to move from saying, this is Jesus, my brother, to saying, this is Jesus, Lord and Savior, right? Now, and I, I've talked about this before. I think this is actually good evidence for who Jesus Christ is. The fact that guys lived with him every day for three years and thought he was God. How many people would live for, with you for three years and think you were God? Okay, none. And let me ask you this. How many of your brothers and sisters are thinking you just might be the Savior? That was taken care of quickly, wasn't it? And yet, James, the brother of Jesus, somehow got to the point, after struggling with all that, where he could respond. Where he responded, and he believed, and he put his total trust in his brother. He realized he was way more than who he thought he was. And he became the servant of the Lord Jesus Christ what happened? What happened? I think James finally saw Jesus for who he really was. First of all, that his death was no ordinary death. That Jesus Christ, when he was up on the cross, what James finally realized when his eyes opened, it's like, oh my goodness, this is God in the flesh. And he was taking the sins of the world upon himself because sin is what separates all of us from God. And Jesus was taking the sin on himself, receiving punishment for sin so that we wouldn't have to be punished for sin, that we can actually be forgiven. You guys, all of you can be completely forgiven of your sin. And James came to realize that. And he's like, oh my gosh, this is my savior, Jesus. But it was his resurrection is when Jesus rose from the dead and Lad shared the verse with you. Jesus made sure that out out of all the people that he appeared to after he rose from the dead, he goes, I got to go see James, my bro, and the resurrection of Christ helped James to realize, oh my goodness, what Jesus is doing is he's living today, and he still is, to bring God's presence into our lives. You guys, this is your, this is your hope. This is what you were created for. You were created to live your life in the presence of God And sin keeps human beings from doing that. Jesus wiped out the sin and he lives today so that we can have the presence of God inside of us and we can be in his presence. This is the good news. Now, let me share with you. As I was thinking about this, I found this passage and it all just popped out to me. Let me read it for you kind of quickly here. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19. It says, dear brothers and sisters, we can boldly enter heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus. Jesus. By his death, Jesus opened a new and life-giving way through the curtain into the most holy place. And since we have a great high priest who rules over God's house, let us go, listen to this, let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting him. Now, If I could, you know, if we could just sit here for an hour or two, I'd I'd unpack that whole thing for you. But if you don't understand, in the Jewish nation, there was a temple. You guys know that? They had a temple, right? I've been there. It's huge. And they knew in that temple, in the most holy place, in the very center, was the presence of God. And only one person, the high priest, was allowed to go into the most holy place once a year. And that's where God's presence was. And there was this big veil, a curtain, a curtain that kept the most holy place from all the rest of humanity. And here's what's cool, man. When Jesus Christ died and he breathed his last, and he said, it is finished. You know what happened? The veil ripped in two. Because what Jesus did is he took care of the sin so that people could go right into the presence of God. I wanna tell you guys, this is why we worship him. This is why I love him. Because Jesus made it possible for me, and I need God a lot. He made it possible for me to go right into the presence of God. And you guys, that's our life. See, God is everything we need. He's strength and peace and joy and purpose and wisdom and truth and freedom. I could, I could spend the whole my, rest of my message probably just telling you what God could give you, Right? And you now get to be in his presence. It's the greatest news in all the world. But here's the challenge, okay? If you actually get into God's presence, which, by the way, why are we here today? To be in his presence. I've been saying for nine years, I don't want to tell you about him. I want to introduce you to him. I don't want to come in and help us learn a bunch of principles and go out and try to live a good life. I want you to come in here. I want you to hear God's voice. And here's what happens if you get into God's presence, you will hear his voice. And that's where the challenge lies. Look at this verse, Hebrews chapter 3. See to it, brothers and sisters. Okay, let me just tell you this. See to it, you guys that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. But encourage one another daily, as long as it's called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. We've come to share in Christ, if indeed we hold our original conviction firmly to the very end, as has just been said, today, listen to this, today, If you hear his voice, don't harden your heart as you did in the rebellion. Guys, I want to tell you one of the most encouraging things to me throughout all years here. I can't even count. It's unlimited how many times people have come up to me here at K2 and said, man, it felt like you were speaking right to me. And I always go, yes, he was. Yes, he was. Here's the challenge. You're in his presence, and you're going to hear from him. And you have two choices. You're either going to fully trust him, which means you're going to take what you are heard, and you're going to do what he says, or you're going to harden your heart against him. Here's what's crazy, guys. There is no other choice. Don't you wish you all there was this middle one? Well, can't I just come to church and kind of, you know, chill? (laughs) No. So here's what's going to happen. Every time we get together, every time you read God's word, he speaks to you. And every time you fully trust him, you know what happens? Your heart gets softer. Your faith gets stronger. And your experience of God becomes more real. And every time you come to church and we teach and you hear God's word and you hear the spirit speaking to you, his voice is coming to you, and you decide, no. No. Every time we do that, our heart actually gets a little harder, and our faith gets a little bit weaker, and our experience of God begins to feel a little more distant. This, can I just, here's, I'm going to warn you. This book, Hebrews, was written to Christians. It was Christians whose hearts were getting hardened by sin's deceitfulness. It was Christians who were turning away from God. And he's like going, hold on, no. He goes, he, goes, he goes, here's the point, you guys. Every time, you have a resolution to make. We have a choice, and we can respond to God. It's a firm decision to his word or to his spirit. Now, how many, how many of you can just say, it's hard to respond to God? How many, how many of you agree? Okay, all human beings, raise hands. It's hard to respond to God. So, why is it hard? What are some things that make it hard to respond to God? Fear. Okay, you know what? That was the first one that came out in the Red Box, too. It's freaking scary to say yes to God. Because if I say yes to God, then I'm not going to be in control, and He is, and who knows if He's really good. I know I'll say He's good, but if I actually have to trust Him, then I have to find out. And He might do stuff with my life that I don't want Him to do. And if I do what God wants me to do, what are all the people going to think, right? Oh my gosh, this world is going to think, I mean, there's so much fear. You guys, then there's just sin. You know what sin is? Sin is. I just don't want to. I, I, I don't want to do what God tells me to do. I want to do what I want to do. And then we got pride, right? Because we think we're, we don't need God. I mean, there are all these things. Can I just tell you one more? And This is a very real one. There is a spiritual battle for your soul. Jesus told us, and if he was God, he would know, that there is a thief that is trying to steal and kill and destroy your very soul. And so there's a spiritual battle that goes on. And every time you hear God's voice, almost always, if it's not there right at the time, on the heels of it, on Monday will come the other one. Are you kidding me? You're going to do that? Do you know what everybody will think? Do you really think that God's going to care for you? you really think if you trust him? I mean, at that voice, he lies. Jesus told us you've got a father of all lies who's just trying to destroy your deal. So here's the deal. It is, it's hard to respond to God. But here's the other question. He goes, you have a choice, though. And then if you do, how do you know if it's going to last, right? Because that's the other thing. It's like, man, if I make a decision for Christ, if I say yes to him, how can I know it? I'm going to go for the, whole, the long haul on this deal. In Hebrews 10, 23, it says, let us, how do we know it's going to last? Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for he who promises faithful. Hebrews 3, 14, we have come to share in Christ, if indeed... We hold our original conviction firmly to the end. So what's he saying? You can go right into the very presence of God. When you do, you're going to hear his voice. When you hear his voice, you have a choice. You can either say yes to God or you can no, say no to God. And when you say yes to God, if you're going to actually experience it to its end, you've got to do what? you got to hold on. I mean, how many movies have we seen like that, right? Where the person's falling from the cliff and they're like, just grab my hand, right? And they're holding on the hand, they're slipping, just hold on. We've all seen that a million times, right? And what the Bible is telling you is if you're going to experience truly share in Christ, you're gonna have to hold on, baby. And you're gonna have to not let go. So here's the question today. How do we do that? How do we do that? And here's what's amazing to me when I looked at this passage. What he says is, come on, come into my presence. I'm God. I love you. I know you. I know why you're created. I have everything you need. Come. Okay, I'm coming. He speaks. You freak out. You decide to say yes or no. You say yes, and now you wanna keep going. Look at what the Bible says. If you're going to make it, here's what I want to tell you. You have to take a hand. Look at this. Hebrews 3, verse 12. See to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. Can I just challenge you today? Take that seriously. See to it that you don't have a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. Look at the next verse. Okay, how, how do I do this? Encourage one another daily as long as it's called today so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. How how do I make sure I don't have a sinful, unbelieving heart? You got to take a hand. You got to get together and we got to encourage each other as long as it's called today so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Do you see that? See, part of our victory, part of the way that I'm going to make it all the way to the end of the race and not be hardened by sin's deceitfulness is I need you to encourage me. And you need to encourage each other. And I need to encourage you. And how often do we have to do it? Daily. See, isn't that encouraging? I mean, seriously, that's encouraging to me. To know that no wonder I swerve and I am messed up so much in my faith because how many of you are getting daily encouragement? To hold on. Probably not. Because everything else in this world says, let go. What you're doing is stupid. So you got to have it. Look at this one. Hebrews 10, the other passage, says the same thing. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. For he who promised is faithful. Okay, great. How do I do that? Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. But encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. You guys, I want, I want Christ, man. I wanna be in his presence. I wanna receive what he has for me. And I wanna make it all the way to the end. I wanna walk with him all the way to the end. Then the Bible is so cotton-picking and and clear. You're never gonna do that by yourself. You, we have to do this together. Look at this. We, the only way we do is we, we, we have to encourage one another. We have to spur one another on toward loving good deeds. We can't give up meeting together. So, and, and I know, man, meeting together, like this is, sometimes it's a very sporadic thing that we do. And the Bible is like, you can't be sporadic in this, man. You need encouragement daily. So don't give up meeting together. So we meet together here on Sundays. Why? So we can encourage each other, so we can strengthen each other, so we can comfort each other, so we can hold on. And then we have Life Together groups. Because then it's like, I've been saying, that we've said this for 10 years here. This isn't enough. You've got to get in relationships outside of here so you can encourage each other, so you can strengthen each other, so you can comfort each other. And then, I, I know I just, the other thing is, I also need just a couple people who I'll actually tell everything to. Because like, how many of you won't tell everything to your Life Together group? Okay, I am the only insecure person in both services. Um <clears throat> No, but I'm serious, man. There's some deep stuff in me. Anybody got deep stuff? And who am I going to share that with? I need some people who can do this. I, I want you, let's talk about just real quick on Sunday morning. It says, don't give up meeting together. How many, don't raise hands on this one, but how many of you will come here this morning and actually felt like you met together? Or how many of us will come, bolt right back out of here, hear a message, sing worship, and hop right back in our car and just go. And there will actually be no together. I I just want to tell you, we're working hard at K2 to figure out how can we enhance our capability of responding to God here on Sunday mornings. Now, I want to tell you, it, it can't all happen here. It must happen in life together. It must happen in deeper relationships. But we also believe that we can increase our effectiveness of truly responding to God's on Sundays so that when you hear his word here, you don't just walk out saying no and letting your heart get harder, but instead saying yes and having it get softer. So what we're doing is we have been creating a response team. And every Sunday from this day forward, there will be a group of people who are trained up in how to come alongside you to encourage you to strengthen you and to comfort you. And much of that is going to come through prayer. It's interesting, James, in his book, he's like, oh my gosh, you guys, you got to respond, got to respond. And then you get to chapter 5, and at the end, he says, and here's what you got to do, you got to pray. You got to pray together, you guys. And, and because what happens when we pray? Do you guys know? I mean, this is a mystery. Prayer is a mystery. But one of the things that happens is when I come alongside, if Kyle and I over here, if we come alongside together, and we come to pray together, In all reality, we go into the presence of God together. That's what happens. We usher each other into his presence. And that's what happens. If I I can be sitting in my home, and you can be in California, and I can pray for you, and in the heavenly realms, God's presence, I can lift, it's called intercede, I can intercede for you, and I can actually lift you up and put you into God's throne. Is that not cool? I can pray and you'll start experiencing God, and you'll be going, Why am I thinking that? Nelson's praying for me. <laughs> Dad. No, and, and sometimes when I pray, people say, Hey, can we pray for so and so? When we pray, I always go, And God, right now, as we're praying, may they hear your voice. So, we need to come alongside each other and do that. Listen to James in chapter five. He says, Is any of you in trouble? You must pray. Is anyone happy? Let him sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call the elders of the church and pray over them. Anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord, and the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they've sinned, they'll be forgiven. And therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Isn't that cool? The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. I love it because um, asking for prayer is a hard thing to do. It's hard. But I love the fact that Paul, who's like the uber-Christian of all, listen to him in Romans fifteen thirty. he says this. I urge you, brothers and sisters, by our Lord Jesus... Look, at, uh, I love this word. It's, Paul does this a lot. I urge you, brothers and sisters, by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit... To join me in my struggle by praying to God for me. Paul says, will you join me in my struggle? I'm struggling. Will you join me by praying for me? So here's what we're going to commit to to you at K2 The Church. We want to join you in your struggle by praying for you. And we will do that here every Sunday. And we'll be equipped, prayed up ourselves, to come alongside you. Now, let me just share with you, I'm gonna give you seven things. Can I just bust through seven things here really quick? Write these down. Can I just tell you? I mean, if you're in a life together, write these down. This is life together stuff right here. This is the stuff that we need to be doing for each other, okay? How, because I just wanna talk, for me personally, and, and, and every one of these, right from the word of God. And I'm just gonna, you gotta write quick but how does taking a hand help? How does actually bringing someone else into my struggle help? How does it help me to respond to God? Number one, people bring encouragement, encouragement. Paul says lots of times, he goes, would you pray for me so that I'll proclaim the message fearlessly? Paul's like, I need courage to do what I wanna do. And so sometimes, I'm telling you, I feel that and I need people's encouragement. And so I'll come alongside because there's something I know I should do. And by taking someone's hand and having them pray for me, actually encouragement can come to me and give me the next one. Also, encouragement number two is strength. Strength. When you take someone's hand and they pray for you, strength can come to you. And this is huge, you guys. All through the New Testament, Paul says, I can't wait to get to you because I want to strengthen your faith. Ephesians 3.16 says, I pray that God may strengthen you with power through the Holy Spirit in your inner being so Christ will dwell in your heart through faith. Did you hear that? I pray that God may strengthen you. I love praying that for people. I pray for myself every day. I'm asking. I need God's strength. Anybody need strength? Man, you just get weak. You get weary. Your faith gets weak. Your emotions are weak. You're, just, you're tired, and you need strength to keep going on. Come, Encouragement, strength. The third one is Comfort. As he said in James, is any of you in trouble? Anybody suffering? Anybody going through a hard time? You must pray. 2 Corinthians 1, 3-4. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort who comforts us in all our troubles. God wants to comfort you. And if you come along, if you're struggling and you have someone who will pray for you, then they get to take you and usher you right into the presence of God, which we can do because of Jesus. And the God of all comfort will come and comfort you in every trouble that you have. God, that's good. Encouragement, strength, comfort. Number four, wisdom. Anybody ever need to know? You don't know, have any idea what you're doing? Okay. Yes. James 1.5. If you need wisdom... Ask our generous God, and he'll give it to you. Colossians 1.9. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives. Isn't that good? So you can, you can get together and go, man, I don't know what to do with my kids. I don't know what to do with my future. I don't know, I don't know what to do. Come on, let's pray. And then I've, I've not stopped praying and asking God to fill you with the knowledge of his will. How cool is that? You can know God's will and he will give it to you with all wisdom and understanding that the spirit gives. God wants to give you everything you need. So wisdom. Number five is truth. Now I just want to tell you, man, this is a huge one for me because I, I think I know the Bible decently. I know a lot of truth that's in there. But I want to tell you, man, when the spiritual battle rises up, I struggle, and sometimes I just have to go to Susie or I go to key people in my life, and I say, will you just tell me the truth. And sometimes you need someone to come alongside you and say, David, don't forget what's true about God for you. Don't forget that he loves you. Don't forget that he's faithful. And we need that strength. You can write down these verses. Ephesians 1, 18 through 19. Philippians chapter 1, verse 9. This is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight. So truth. Number 6. How does come having someone else come alongside you help you is grace. What did James say? Confess your sins to one another so that you can be healed and pray I'm sorry confess your sins to one another and pray for each other so you can be healed. I tell you what, man. Is this not one of the scariest things in all the world? To confess your sins to one another? I'm tell you what, this is huge. And it's scary because the hardest part here is actually finding a Christian who won't judge you, right? Which those two things should just be a dichotomy right there. They shouldn't even exist, right? A Christian who judges, Jesus would go, I think you don't get it. But the problem is, if we actually share what's really going on inside of our heart, it is so hard to do that with another human being and have that human being go not like, yeah, I'll pray for you, right? To have someone know who you actually are and forgive you completely is divine. It's the gospel. And I want to tell you, for me personally, there may be nothing I have experienced that's been more powerful than when I exposed my deepest, darkest secrets to another human being and they gave me grace. It sets you free. And I think that's why the enemy works so hard to make us Christians think that we still are all about works and trying to prove how we're better and so that we look at people and can't believe you. I mean, it's such, he just warps us because he knows if we actually gave grace to one another and forgave each other, we'd set each other free. That's what Jesus wants to do. And he wants to use us for that. I'm telling you grace, confessing your sins to the right person who will give it to you will change your life forever. You'll make it, baby. I, this may be, You'll make it till the end if you know you're free from, from your sin. You just will. Last one is protection. This has been another huge one for me. There is a spiritual battle for your soul. If Jesus is the Son of God, which we believe He is, he would know, and he said it, you have an enemy who's seeking to steal and kill and destroy you. So in John 17, 15, he says, my prayer, my prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. I don't know about you, you don't, don't need to raise your hands, but any of you feel like the enemy just tries to take you down? Or felt like he's just trying to take you down? I Man, I feel like there's times where he just tries to take me down. It's weird. Like oppression will just come. Thinking goofy thoughts, heaviness, stu- just junk. It's just, there's just all this stuff that happens. And I have these four people who I actually trust, who I, when, when I finally get the courage up to ask them to pray for me, I'll finally say, hey, would you guys pray for me, man? Because this is happening to me. And I want to tell you, almost, I think, I think, actually, every time, within two hours, all of a sudden, the darkness and the heaviness and the oppression will leave. We can pray for each other for God to protect us from the evil one. And I need that, and so do you. So, there you go, man. There there are some things right there. Encouragement, strength, comfort, wisdom, truth, grace, protection. Of course, there's others. But this is what can happen if we'll take the word of God seriously, get into his presence, let his voice speak to us, Make the decision to follow him. Know it's going to be hard to follow him. So take somebody's hand and say, will you come alongside me? Will you encourage me? Let's encourage each other daily. Let's strengthen each other. Let's comfort one another. Let's spur one another on. Let's speak the truth to each other. Let's pray for protection for each other. And then I'm telling you, man, you will hold on and you'll make it to the end. And I just want to tell you, this is still hard. So those are, that's my application for you guys. Number one, don't stop meeting together or else you're a stupid sheep who wanders off so the wolf can go. <laughs> That's really, don't, stop it. Don't do that. Then when you get together, pray for each other. I, I feel totally encouraged, man. Like we need to just, in your, if you're in a life together group, we just need to be praying more for each other. If you're having coffee with somebody and somebody shares with you deep, dark, hard stuff then get out in the parking lot and pray for each other. But here's the hardest application I have for you. Ask for prayer. Ask for prayer. I have four people who I know love me, and still, every time I feel like I need prayer, I feel like a schmuck. Because I should have my act together. Anybody else feel that way? God, I can't believe, what are they going to think about me? I gotta ask again. I'm the pastor. You're gonna be like, man, I need to go to another church. This this dude can't handle it. I'm like, seriously, that's what I'm just being honest with you. That's exactly what I think. And I finally, when I finally humble myself, and remember, it's not about me trying to be anything. That original conviction in the scripture. You know what the original conviction with Jesus is? I can't do squat. I need a savior. So humble yourself. You'll have to. And then I want to tell you, man, two weeks ago, I was at the river. Stephen Kim Fair and Crow back here. I was at, at, at the church that we partner with that got us in Honduras. And they do this. They pray. They, they have a response team. And worship started and they said, here's prayer over here on the side of the wall. And I'm sitting, I was. I was sitting in my heart. The message was great. And I'm like, man, I got stuff I want them to pray for. And then I, the very next thought in my head that there's no way I'm getting up and doing that. I'm like, wait, I'm speaking on this in two weeks. And I won't even do it. Why? Because if I get up, what are all these guys that I went on the trip going to think about me? What's wrong with Nelson? I wonder what's going on in his life. Can you all agree? See, aren't we goofy? I tell you what, we got a lot of work to do here at K2 to create a culture of response where we won't fear needing prayer. And the Bible says the only way you're going to make it is if you do that for each other. So let's pray. God, help us. Humble us. Give us courage and grace. Help us to remember the gospel. It's not about us having our act together. It's about knowing that we don't and trusting you, Jesus, to lead us into the presence of God who can give us everything that we need. God, would you help all of us to not be hardened by sin's deceitfulness? Would you help each of us not to turn away from you? Would you help each of us, God, that when we hear your voice and you call us to do something, that we'll say yes to you. And then help us to take a hand of someone and say, please help me. Pray for me. I'm going to take a step of faith. God, please make K2 the church a culture, a church that just responds to God and a church that encourages each other and spurs one another on. We need you to do that. We ask for it in your name. In Jesus, amen.